You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Well, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 as we continue on in this series of living called Living Hope. And I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. How exciting it has been as it's been building throughout this week and talking with, with some of you and chatting through texting with others of you and, and just some who stopped by the office and who are working on this. Just an excitement for today and for the opportunity to gather in person. And, and for those of you that are joining us online as well, just we welcome you and we're just thankful that you can do this. And we worked really hard uh, to make this so that still at 9.30 sharp, we are all all starting together online and and uh, in in the four different gatherings as well and and just I just wanted as a way just to continue to try to be united as a body of Christ in this time of separation and so just so thankful for this day and then also time in the park afterwards this afternoon we're just trusting it's going to be a wonderful time now last Sunday or last weekend, Charlotte and I were in the backyard. We were eating supper together, and uh, we noticed a butterfly just flying around in the garden, and, and it was just so beautiful. And so I grabbed my phone and started taking picture and video. And at first, I thought from a distance it's a monarch butterfly, but it turns out it's a western tiger swallowtail. That's quite a mouthful. Just isn't that beautiful? And just the coloring and, and just the beauty of, of this. And even now a little bit, even a little video of God's amazing creation of just going around just, uh, uh, just from plant to plant there. And, and just the beauty of that. I'm just going to be quiet so you can enjoy it. Yeah, and, and then it turned out that Charlotte seemed to be a little more entertained by me, and uh, I guess our cat, um, as I'm trying to capture it on video, she's capturing me trying to capture um, the butterfly. Anyways, as uh, I sat down afterwards and was looking through the pictures, it caused me just to want to do some research again on, on butterflies, and I was reminded of what I learned in school. Kids, I trust that you learned about some of these uh, aspects in school about butterflies and, and just what happened. And, and, and the thing that we learned in school was the, um, the transformation, the metamorphosis that uh, takes place in a butterfly's life cycle. And, and here you see it on the screen. You see it goes from the egg to the larva to the pupa. Uh, I have been longing to say that word in church for many years, and so I could properly say that, or the uh, chrysalis, I guess you could say, or cri- um, now I'm even butchering that word, just I was so excited about that last word, but then it turns into a beautiful butterfly, and what a transformation from egg to larva, which the larva is a caterpillar, and, and just then from uh, that other nice uh, third stage to the butterfly, and you know, the reality of this and, and, and the story of the butterfly goes on um, just to have a great impact as well for us as fellow believers, as genuine believers in Christ. Our lives are to be undergoing a beautiful transformation. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says the Apostle Paul, he wrote, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Now, the word transformed in Greek actually is where we get the word metamorphosis that a butterfly undergoes. The metamorphosis or the transformation is an inward change brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer in Christ. It is where we become more and more like Jesus throughout our Christian life. And the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, he says that we as believers are being transformed. If we're truly in Christ, we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. We are, be, we are being changed to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, we won't fully be realized and as beautiful as we will one day be when we are finally perfected, when we are in heaven, But God's plan for our life is for us to be transformed, for us to go through a metamorphosis. And as Christians, we ought to be undergoing this kind of beautiful transformation. If we have been truly saved by Jesus Christ, our life ought to show it, ought to reflect it. Not perfectly, because none of us are, but progressively. I think even in our own lives, if we were to even think, okay, in the last year, have I become more loving, more forgiving, more patient? Or have I become more critical, more bitter, more angry? Or, you know, and, and we need to examine our lives in that way. Jesus said that we would be known by our fruit, and he's meaning by our good fruit, not by bad, stinking, rotten fruit. And see, God's hope, God's plan for his children is transformation, regardless of the circumstances that we face. Just because we are suffering through hard times and hardships or trials, it doesn't mean that God cannot use those. In fact, those are oftentimes the greatest way that he will work at transforming us. And yet this transformation just won't happen automatically. It's not just let go and let God and just, you know, somehow you're just going to arrive from one degree of glory to the next on your own. No, it doesn't happen like that. It means us taking decisive actions when it comes to our thinking and then to our living and how we live our lives. You see, we're in this series in 1 Peter, and we've spent the first five weeks in the first 12 verses. It's taken us that long to get through 12 verses. Now, we're going to speed through a little faster, except for today, because today we're just going to make it through one verse. But the first 12 verses of 1 Peter are filled with deep, rich, spiritual truths of our salvation. The blessings. Peter's writing to Christians here, and he's reminding us of the joy and the benefits and the inheritance that is unshakable, kept in heaven for us, the riches that we have in Christ. Jesus, who is our living hope, the name of our series even in this. In the first 12 verses, we see that there are no commandments. It is just telling us of the beauty and the glory and the richness and the depth of our salvation. But in verse 13, as we will pick that up today, we see a shift taking place here. We see that shift happening with the word therefore. And remember, folks, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you ask yourselves, what is it? Therefore, exactly. And, and, and so it's important because what that does is when you see a therefore, you look at what was written previous to that, and we see this all throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament, especially in Paul's writings, but here in this uh, book of 1 Peter as well. God reminds us, he tells us, he declares to us who we are in Christ, what Christ has done for us, and on that basis, on, ba- on that therefore, we now live our lives in a certain way. 
And so the therefore connects us back to the gospel truth that fuels our soul to live a life of godliness and to experience transformation in our lives. And so therefore, as we understand, as we comprehend all that God has done, with, God has done for us, in verse 13 we're seeing, now here is how we ought to live. Now we see some commands, we see instruction, and we see teaching through the rest of this book. You see, God never calls us to simply obey. He doesn't call us just simply to be obedient or to live a duty-bound Christian life. He doesn't tell us, just behave, that's all you have to do. No, if that's the way we live, we're going to fall into just despair because we can't live the life that God's Word tells us to live. Or it turns us into turns to legalism or hypocrisy. You fake it. You're trying to fake it till you make it, but you'll never make it in that way. And so we can't get this wrong. We don't behave to try to earn God's favor. Believing that, living that will destroy you. It is destructive. It's destructive for you, for your family, for your children, for the church. But God calls us rather to believe, to understand, to comprehend, to experience his love and his grace, what he has done for us, and from that knowledge, from that understanding, from that experience, we then obey. You see, God is after the heart, not after duty or performance. But we can so easily think wrongly on this. We think, if I do, 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 God will accept me. But if we believe that, we are wrong, wrong, wrong. That's a work-based salvation, and we are not saved through or by our good works. But a truly saved person will have good works and will desire to live in obedience. We live in obedience because of what God has already done for us, out of the love that we have for Jesus Christ. So we respond to him in, in love, to his love and to his mercy by desiring to be obedient. We don't live a godly life to get God to love us or to like us or to earn favor with him, but it's all lived out of a response. That's so important. That's why I'm spending time on this just up front here, that, that the rest of the book and the instructions that we see here, it's all based on what God has already done for us. So now in verse 13, based on the glorious, unshakable, unmovable truths in the first 12 verses, he now tells us how we ought to live. Now remember, Peter is writing this, the apostle of Jesus is writing this to Christians who are facing trials, suffering, even persecution, and their future is very uncertain certain. In fact, the persecution, history tells us, continued to intensify and became very bad for these believers. And he's writing under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So these just aren't Peter's thoughts and just penned them down and they're in the Bible. The Holy Spirit guided Peter in writing this. And he's giving Christians, he's, and he's giving to us today, whether the Christians then or for us today, practical instructions on how we are to live, act, react, maintain a perspective in the midst of trials, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of confusing time, and even in the midst of pandemics. This word is so crucial. You just look ahead, not now, but later on. Continue to keep reading through this book, and you're going to see instructions that are going to apply for us today. And so let's start reading in verse 13. Peter instructs us how we ought to live based on the first 12 verses. Verse 13, let's pick it up here. Therefore, preparing your minds for action 
And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile." knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, through who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now here in this passage from 13, verse 13 to 21, we see an interesting literary device called uh, inclusio. All right, and inclusio is the repetition of same language at the beginning and end of a section of literature forming bookends. It goes on, the explanation is, I'll give you a little more explanation here. An inclusio tells the reader that what is in the middle of the two bookends is support or an explanation of the, world's, of the words making up the bookends. So, so here we have the bookends, and, and what is the... What do the bookends consist of? Verse 13, it says, set your hope. It's all about hope. Set your hope in verse 13. And then in verse 21, it says, so that your faith and hope are in God. And so we have these bookends in these verses here from 13 to 21. And we are told here and we see how we can be transformed by the hope these bookends of hope and the, whatever is in the middle there will lead us in the area of transformation to become more and more like Christ. Now this inclusio or bookends um, may also be described, and maybe it's just because I'm kind of hungry or something like that, um, it could also be described as a sandwich, all right? Like a hope sandwich, if you want to call it. And, and um, I can think, that, you know, the best kind of sandwich I think you could ever enjoy is, of course, a egg salad sandwich. And all God's people said, not you, um, but amen, right? And... Um, and, and anyways, this was one that I, I just made, and uh, Charlotte's been experimenting with sourdough bread, and so this is a jalapeno cheddar uh, piece of bread, or, or bread on both sides. So there you have the, the two pieces of bread side by side there, uh, and, and in the middle are, of course, egg salad. I mean, and, and those are actually dill-pickled eggs. Oh, so good. And then there's mayo, not Miracle Whip, because Miracle Whip is just wrong. All right, so mayo, um, chives out of the garden, lots of pepper. And then, as you see, of course, some cherries to just enjoy along, and then some club soda with some homemade rhubarb cordial that Charlotte has made. Anyways, so, so here we have this sandwich, if you want to call it. Here in First Peter, he is telling us about the hope and something beautiful. Now, you may not find that sandwich particularly beautiful, but, or maybe you're like me and you would. But what, God is, is, what we see here in God's word is that hope is something in, the, in this passage here 
Hope is something beautiful, a beautiful transformation, a beautiful work of God that can happen in our lives. And so here in 1 Peter, you take the hope that we see in these verses and take these truths, everything that makes up all of this, and it will transform our lives if we live this out in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is something beautiful and powerful in our lives. And it's something that will make our, our, our lives, our marriages, our families something beautiful. It will make our church a beautiful place to be. It will make the watching world wonder what is going on. There's a metamorphosis. There's a change happening in this person. And so let's get started in this here in verse 13. And, and, and today, I guess you could encourage you to write this down. Transforming hope is possible for me. Transforming hope is possible for me. Or you can turn to the person you're next to and say, transforming hope is possible to you. And you can just kind of, you know, point your finger at them because maybe you can do that today. And, uh, and so, first of all, transforming hope is possible. And here's how, first of all, we must ready the mind. We must ready our minds. Get ready for action. Look at what it says in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Now, some translations might even say, or else you may have a footnote like I do in the ESV Bible that I use. There's a footnote and it says, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, now that's kind of a weird statement, gird up the loins of your mind. And and maybe it even sounds like, ooh, kind of gross, or we just don't understand what it means. But in the ancient Near East, this was a figure of speech that everyone would have gone, oh, okay, I understand what they're talking about. You see, back in Bible days, in ancient days, in the ancient Near East, people would wear robes, even including men, like out in public. And the robes would go right down to their ankles. And they would wear, along with these robes, they would wear a belt around the waist. But when it came time to walking quickly, running, um, or even fighting in battle, they had very limited mobility. They would trip on their robes. And so when they would gird, it, gird up the mind, means they, they would then take with their robes and they would take and tie them up into their belt so that they would have more movement. And so in the same way, Peter is saying, tighten up our thinking. We need to ready our minds. We need to be ready. In other words, in, in common English today, it would be, wake up already. Gird up your mind, wake up, or pay attention, or get engaged, or if this was in sports, it would be, get your head in the game, eye on the puck, eye on the ball, ready position, and, and, and so we would have these instructions, because let's face it, we get so easily distracted. First place that the enemy goes after in your life, in my, in my life, is our minds, right, in our thinking, and that's why we have to gird up the loins of our minds. At times, we can have absolutely the most crazy thoughts. Isn't that correct? I mean, at times, I'll admit it happens to me. It's like, where did that come from? And the enemy loves to shoot arrows of doubt, of fear, of insecurity, of lies, whatever it might be, all kinds of stuff just bombarding us, and he's going to come hard after the mind. But listen up. Just because a bird lands on your head, it doesn't mean that you need to let that bird build a nest on your head. You need to get rid of it, right? And, and so in the same way, we must ready the mind, prepare our minds for action, gird up the loins of our mind by testing everything by God's word, what we're hearing in our world, 
what we're hearing in the church. That's why we tell you, bring your Bibles, study the Word of God, follow along with what we're saying. We need to test everything, the thoughts, the attitudes, the emotions that we are filled with. We need to test them by the Word of God. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take everything Every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought that's coming into our minds, we are to take and put it like a lasso around him, tie him up or handcuff him, and then we have to take and examine and say, what does God's word have to say about this? This is a mind that tests our words, our thoughts, our accusations that that come our way, or or the emotions or the fears, the strongholds that that the enemy loves to get hold of. We need to take and and, and we need to, to, to take and Bind them in a way that we examine and say, okay, is this of God? If it's of God, it stays. If it's not, we get rid of it. We say, out of here. And it's oftentimes in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of confusion, that we can get so gripped with fear. And and, and when that happens, we don't think very clearly, right? This is why we need to be people of the word. It's taking those thoughts captive and not just let them run wild in our minds, and we line them up with God's word. It's filtering our mind, our thinking through the word of God. Take Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, for example. Here is, is one of the filters that we put things through in our minds. When we're in conversation with someone, if we're hearing something that, you know, or, or thinking something about someone and how our mind can just start playing mind games on us, as we call it. No, it, it's trying to destroy us. And, and, and here is a filter. Finally, brothers, here, here's how we are to think, how we are to gird up the loins of our minds. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep these in your mind. Everything else, toss it out. And you say, I've tried that, Meldon, but the fear came back. The anger came back. The hurt came back. Well, then do it again. And you say, but I did it. Well, do it 30 times, an hour if you have to. And as you continue to do this, as you gird up the loin of your mind, The next day, it will maybe be 15 times, maybe the next day five times, and it will be less and less. And it's vital that we're feeding ourselves on and in the Word of God. Years ago, shared this before, and and free to share it with you even personally, to even go into more detail. Um, But I went into extreme battle with anxiety to the point of utmost despair. And, And the emotion and the confusion and the darkness of that time But people who love me, drove me, pushed me, got real with me to get into the Word of God. And I did. And day after day, I was reading the Word of God. I was writing out the Word of God. I was praying the Word of God. And nothing was changing. The fear, the anxiety, I did feel a relief because I finally told people the battle and the struggle and, and, and there was other help that I was getting through counsel, through medical um, uh, tests and, and different things as well. But I remember it was finally on day 17 when a breakthrough came, where the clouds started to lift and the Lord slowly continued to deliver me from that and continues to this day. In Facebook this past week, I saw this statement, Satan's target is your mind, his weapons are lies, so fill your mind with the word of God. 
Here's another way that we are to ready our mind. We ready our minds through prayer. Prayer is simply not just giving a, a, a wish list to God daily, but it's resting, trusting, worshiping in His promises, in His presence. Yet so oftentimes we are so rushed we don't take time for this. And, and, and it's, we get so busy we don't get to that important, the most important place in meeting with God daily. Prayer is where we align our hearts with God. It is where we confess our sin. It's where we seek the Savior. It is where we learn to rest in, God, may your will be done. God, here are my heart. Here's my heart. Here's my desires. God, you know this. Here's what I'm asking for. But God, would your will be done? Another way that we gird up our mind or the way that we ready our minds is through the gathering with God's family. I'm so glad for this day. I'm so glad that, that even through this pandemic at 9.30 Sunday mornings that so many of us are able to watch together at the same time and interact in the online lobby before and after the service. That's so wonderful. And yet I've been greatly concerned and deeply kind of just, just in turmoil about the toll that this pandemic is taking. Um, just, just as far as the pandemic and the subsequent guidelines and restrictions, especially as I could say on churches for God's people not to gather. You see, we have been made, we have been created by God to have people around us. An online church, or church on demand, if you want to call it, or Zoom, has been a wonderful and necessary and needed tool for us to be able to use. It's helpful and it's been so good. But as I talk with other pastors, as I think about this, as I pray about this, I get so concerned and as well as others, as I'm hearing about this, about the spiritual disintegration that is taking place even in our lives during this time. And, and a lot of that has to do with us not meeting physically together. You see, isolation is not God's design. It, it's it, what we've had to go through. We, I understand it. I get it in, on, on many fronts. But it's not great for us for the long haul. And that's why we're so excited to be able to figure out something like this. And, and we're hoping, trusting to perhaps do it again even in a few weeks. We want to see how this week goes. You see, we need flesh and blood around us. We need real people that we can talk with, that we can share with, that we can be ourselves with, that we can pray with, that we can challenge one another with and, and be challenged by others. We need others in our life to, to help us battle sin and, and we need to help them battle sin and, and to fight the fight of faith. We need one another. And I get concerned and intrigued at times and even a little nervous to see what Hope Kelowna will look like once the restrictions all get lifted, and yet we don't know when that will happen. I'm intrigued to see how everything will turn out at all the various campuses today where we're meeting. But I'm wondering, what will church look like when we start gathering together? Some people think, oh, churches are going to be packed when we're able to meet again. They're going to be filled up with new people who've been watching online, and yes, I hope so. I hope that's true. And yet, I'm also concerned for many people who've been in the church who have moved into comfort church now, into scrolling church. Let's see what this church is doing. Let's see what this church is doing. And, and it's kind of like that church on demand. And, and using online church now is a wonderful tool. I, it, it's so wonderful. It's so good. 
but it's become very convenient perhaps for us where we just kind of roll out of bed and just walk into church in the living room or just not preparing our heart. There's not the opportunity to serve one another and to meet one another. There's an opportunity for complacency or consumeristic thinking. You know, like, well, I'll kind of do church when it works for me. I know it's at 9.30, but you know what? I'm going to have a busy day. I'll watch it maybe in the evening or I'll watch it sometime this next week. Or maybe it's even starting to think, yeah, I know I could gather online or gather with others. And, and for some of you, there's reasons why you are unable to and, 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 and we understand that to gather with others and we trust that in time uh, that, w- that would happen. But so oftentimes we just might think, well, I can just watch whenever I want, wh- whoever I want, whatever church. And there's something about being committed. There's something about flesh and blood. Hebrews 10, 25 says that we should not forsake the gathering together of the saints, that we need to gather together. And he says, and all the more as we see the day coming. The day is coming. Christ is going to return. And that that time is coming closer and closer. And we need to continue to keep gathering. Make this a priority, whether it's online at 930 or whether we have these opportunities for in-person opportunities or even outside in the park. Let's not just make God fit into our life. He needs to be at the center of our lives. And that's one concern I have with what we're seeing. And yet, I also believe that we are reminded that, that in this time, too, that uh, maybe, maybe there will be a cleansing in, in churches where we kind of, people who maybe won't return afterwards, sad, difficult, and, 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 and not a good thing, but but church isn't supposed to be a spectator sport, and that's what we've turned it into in North America, where you just show up, and, and you just show up, sit down, stand up, sing, be entertained, you hope that you get tickled a little bit, you know, the funny bone or whatever it might be, and then walk out feeling good. No, you see, that doesn't cut it. We need to preach the Word of God, and we need to preach it in all its fullness, and we need to interact with others on it, because when the trials come, the peppy, nice little entertainment doesn't cut it for us. We need others in our lives. You see, the church isn't just something we show up to, uh, to, to, to show up whenever it works for us. It's a family to belong to. And that's why the online lobby and the chat groups and the small groups and the Thursday night prayer, really seen a dive in the Thursday night prayer lately, encourage you to get on it because Satan, Satan doesn't take a holiday. We may be on holidays, and I understand if you're away, yes, understand it, but if you're at home and you just think it's a nice evening, it's a nice evening to take your computer outside and join in on the, on the prayer night on Thursday nights. And, and so it's an opportunity, this family to belong to, to serve, to, to give of ourselves, to give of our time and treasures and talents. It's a way that we say back to God. It's a way that we show back to God that we're thankful and that we're serious about our relationship with Him. And so then secondly, what we end up seeing here, that we are transformed by hope, and and transforming hope is possible, first of all, as as we prepare our minds, but second of all, as we rid the junk. Look at what it says in verse 13, and being sober-minded. Now, now, this sober-minded is the opposite of being drunk um, or intoxicated. We are told here, be sober-minded, not somber, um, some Christians look like they just drink lemon juice all the time. This is sober-minded. This means that we are not to be under the influence or dominated by any sort of substance, any sort of thing that could alter our substance, whether that's alcohol, whether that's recreational marijuana, even medical marijuana, be very careful with any of that, or even possibly prescription drugs. Anything that causes us to lose control of our thinking, 
We've got to be very careful. When it comes to, as I said, medical marijuana, I haven't studied a lot on that, or even prescription drugs, make sure that that is being done under the counsel of a wise doctor, one that you trust and that you know, but then also, too, I would encourage you pastoral counsel or biblical counselor, for, because oftentimes we are oftentimes dealing with the fruit when we've got to deal with the root problem. And oftentimes a lot of the battles and the struggles that we have are rooted in sin, and, and, and it's then shown in, in, in anxiety, in, in, in all kinds of other conditions we get diagnosed for, but the condition that is, is the greatest and, 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 and we need to examine is the root issue, and it's like, how am I doing on the inside? Are, are there areas that I need to commit to God, or are there areas I need to, to bathe in the Word of God, have others stand with me and pray with me over? And so be very careful. We, 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 we got to make sure that we're not under the control of, of any sort of substance only, the whole, only through the Holy Spirit that, that he has control of our lives. But it's so easy to get intoxicated, to lose our spiritual alertness, to become careless in our lives. It's so easily to get distracted. And, and, and not all distractions are bad. They can be good things, but, but good things can become God things when they become the goal things in our lives. And, and it's what we're shooting for and what we're going for. Our hopes and dreams are dependent on these things. And, and some of those kind of things, just to list off a few things that can easily become great distractions that can cause our mind to get off of being alert and ready are things like our work. Now, we ought to work. We ought to work hard. We need to make an honest and a good living. That's important. But so oftentimes our work, our career can become our identity, and we could use it to shut out our family, our church involvement, or commitments to others, or, or even in the deepening of friendship. Don't have time for small group. Don't have time for this. I'm so busy with work. Don't have time to serve the Lord. Don't have time to help others. And that becomes very concerning as that goes on and on, and we develop some unhealthy patterns. Or entertainment. Think of the hours and the hours that you and I spend in meaningless, at times, entertainment, whether that be social media scrolling, Someone referred to it recently as the scroll hole. And you just keep scrolling and you just, it, it's almost like it gets darker and darker at times. And, and you just don't walk away from social media oftentimes feeling very good about life, do you? It's kind of discouraging. Or, or maybe it's what you're reading, your, uh, the reading material, or, or what you're streaming or viewing, your Netflixing, your, your video games, your online shopping or browse, browsing or, or sports or recreation. We live for these things. And again, not all bad things, but we need a balance. But we prepare our minds for action by giving God the first and the best in our lives. Or maybe it's the pursuit of pleasure. Good times, fun times. Or maybe it's accumulating possessions. These things can easily become our functional savior. It's kind of like, well, if only I had this. If only I had that. Then I would be happy. Then I would be complete. Then I would be able to kind of get more serious with God. No, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, lay up your treasures in heaven. Not here on earth. Or maybe something that is causing your thinking to be clouded and for you not to be sober-minded is a hurt from the past. Hurts from the past. You were victimized. You were treated horribly. And that hurt is clouding your thinking. It just keeps coming back and you can't get free from it. As Brett preached so well last Sunday, message on forgiveness. Such a vital message for us as believers. And listen to this. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. Holding on to it is just crippling. Get help. You need help in battling that, in battling the hurt that has happened. The hurt is real. We don't want to downplay that ever. But, but Christ's healing is possible. 
And, it's, and, and true healing is actually only available in Jesus Christ. Why? Because you were sinned against. And when you're sinned against, the only cure for that is the blood of Christ. And to be cleansed and, and, and to be set free from that. And so we'd love to walk with you and, and, and guide you in that. You see, we have to realize, folks, that nothing in this world is neutral. Either it is pulling us away from God or it is pulling us towards God. And we have to understand that. So we must rid the junk. We need to cut the distractions. And then lastly, we are transformed by hope. Transforming hope is possible in our lives when we remember what is ahead. Set your hope fully. It says the last part of verse 13. Set your hope fully, not half-heartedly, not half-shovel, not a half-full shovel on this. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, here we see the first part of this inclusio. And, and next week, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll get to the second part in verse 21. But transforming hope happens when we ready the mind, when we rid the junk, and we remember what is ahead, the future that God has for us. Now, just imagine with me for a second that if, if in the next few weeks, between now and July, the end of July, things in your life would continue to be tough. Whatever you're going through, take the trials, the discouragements, the frustrations, the fear, and double it and triple it. That's what's going to happen in your life until the end of July. But you know that on August the 1st, uh, that you are going to get on a jet plane, a private jet plane, and you're going to fly down with some of your closest friends to a remote island that has no virus, it's all safe, and you will go there for the next number of weeks and you will enjoy the most glorious resort, you will eat the best of food and you won't gain any weight, and you'll be surrounded by dear friends. The only thing that will be hurt, that will hurt on you is your stomach because you are laughing so hard from all of the good times and all of the conversations that you're having. You have massages and pedicures and manicures and whatever cure that, that, that you need to get you through that time. And, 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 and so if you knew starting today that, yeah, things were going to get worse, but you knew August 1st, everything's changing. You know what August 1st brings you would find a way to survive and you would see and know there's something good coming on the other side. Folks, we have to understand that the future that God has for us has in store for the believer in Christ cannot and will not compare to anything I just described to you, will not and cannot compare to anything here on this earth. And we know that because in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul wrote of an experience that he had where he was taken to heaven and he was so impacted by it by what he experienced that, that he was just even years later writing about, he was dumbfounded, he couldn't even describe it. And he's just basically, there's no words. And if I tried to explain it, I would just mar it. I would just destroy it for you and it just wouldn't even, I, I couldn't do it justice. Folks, if we were to take and put on a scale all of the things that are just eating at us, that are hurting us, that are destroying us, that are frustrating us, the, the hurts, the battles, the pain in your body, the pain in relationships, the loneliness, the discouragement, the confusion. You take that and you put it on a scale and it's a pretty full scale. But then you take and you take and you measure, you, you take the glory that is waiting for us, the glory in heaven, the glory that could be coming at any time for us. We don't know when our time on earth may be done. We don't know when Christ will return. We'll be far more amazing than we could ever imagine. 
And, and, and so, I mean, the, the weight just, I mean, just won't stand up. You just might as well get rid of it because of the weight of glory that is coming through the life of the believer. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3. He says, if you have then been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So folks, it's so important that we take and we ready the mind, that we rid the junk, and that we remember what is ahead. You know, we just looked at here today the, the first part of this, if you want to call it this hope sandwich, this inclusio, these bookends. And it's pretty amazing what God has for us. And next week, we're, Lord willing, we're going to continue to look at this transforming hope and, and, and what God's word calls us to do in obedience to that.